Good morning, Elam Chapel family, and guests who are joining us for this service today. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We pray that this time that we spend together online will draw each of us nearer to Jesus. The celebration of the resurrection in the church calendar begins with Easter Sunday, but it doesn't end there. Because of the significance of the resurrection, Easter lasts for seven weeks in the church. Today is the second Sunday of Easter, so I invite you to join me in the Easter acclamation that Graham led us in last Sunday. I will say Christ is risen and you will respond loudly, He is risen indeed. Let's say with great joy, Christ is risen. This Easter has been unlike any that most of us have known before. Last Sunday was my 73rd Easter, and as best as I can remember the first time, that I didn't celebrate Easter in a church building with other believers. Our battle to keep COVID-19 from spreading turned our Easter planning upside down. Obviously, it's not just Easter that has been changed by the pandemic. We wonder what our communities will be like once it's over. What we do know is that it has generated much fear. Last week, I needed to go to Home Depot to pick up some things for the house. I hadn't been in a store for over two weeks and as I was preparing to leave the house, I discovered that I was afraid. So I went in spite of my fears, wearing a mask that Wendy had made for me and a hat with a Western feel, making me look a bit like a bandit from a B-grade Western movie. Well, we are afraid of many things these days, aren't we? The health of family and friends, especially those who are at some high risk. The economic impact on our families and our friends as people are unable to go to work. Many of us have friends who own businesses, and we fear that they might not be able to reopen those businesses when the pandemic has run its course. What I want to explore on this second Sunday of Easter is the fear that we see in the New Testament Easter stories where Jesus' followers were afraid. We will look at their fears, hopeful that we can learn how to deal with our own fears. We don't want our thoughts or our behavior to be controlled by fear, do we? Before we turn to these stories, I would like to pray. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we ask for your mercy in these days. We ask for those who are ill, that you would heal them. We ask for those who are lonely, that you would encourage them. We ask for those who are needy in any way that you would help supply their needs. And we pray that in these difficult times, all of us would turn our hearts and our minds more toward you. This morning, as we go through these stories from the New Testament, we pray that we would understand fear and that we would learn how to control it in our own lives. To your glory, we ask these things. Amen. The first Easter ended with joy, but it began in a state of confusion and fear. Confusion and fear. Those words describe how many are feeling during this time of COVID-19. So let's explore together the fear in the Easter story. Our study will begin in the Gospels and then move on to the book of Acts. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, please. We'll start reading at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. 
there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Like dead men. That describes the power that fear can have over a person. The soldiers were paralyzed by their fear, no more able to move than a corpse. This is where the two women named Mary enter the story. The other Gospels tell us there were actually three women who made that trip to the tomb. This painting by a Serbian artist is focused on Mary Magdalene in the center, but we see the other two, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, and the angel, and we see the empty, empty burial clothing. Here are the facts. The soldiers and the three women all saw the same thing that morning. They were all afraid. The angel knew that the women were afraid and said to them, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Yes, the women were afraid, but they were not paralyzed by fear, as the soldiers were. Why? I believe it's because they had a relationship with Jesus. They knew him. Knowing Jesus enables us to look at our circumstances in ways that people who don't know him cannot. We know that we are not alone. We know that we can trust him. The angel has more to say. He gave them a job to do, saying, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. These women had come to the tomb that morning with a job to do, to anoint Jesus' body with spices, but now that's unnecessary. Now they have a new job, to announce the fact of the resurrection to the rest of Jesus' disciples. A good way to overcome our fears is to get busy with the job that God has given us to do. We will probably still be afraid, but now our focus will be on the task, not the fear. Keep reading. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus knew they were afraid, and like the angel, he said to them, shifting their attention from their feelings to their work, giving them a job to do. And what a great work it was. What a privilege to be the first to announce the good news of the resurrection. Now let's go to the end of that Easter day, in a room where the disciples had gathered. In John's Gospel, we read, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, there's more fear here, you see. The disciples were obviously afraid of the Jewish leaders who had killed Jesus. When things don't go well, it's easy for us to be afraid of everything. And things certainly hadn't gone well for these men who were hidden in that room. But this is about to change. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This should be the point in the story when those disciples are delirious with joy, don't you think? Yet that's not what we see in Luke's Gospel. They were startled and frightened 
thinking they saw a ghost. You see, fear was in control. It's hard to believe when we're afraid. This time Jesus didn't say, don't be afraid. They needed something stronger than that, and he gave it to them. He said, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. He invited them to look at his wounds. Those same wounds we have often sung about on Easter morning. Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands inside. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. He invited them to touch him. They still weren't convinced. Maybe it simply felt too good to be true. But things are shifting. Their obstacle now was more joy than fear, for Luke tells us they still did not believe because of joy and amazement. That's a good thing. Fear is beginning to be replaced by joy. Then Jesus spoke words that anyone who has raised teenagers has heard a thousand times. Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus used visible evidence to overpower their fear, but it took time. They needed to look at Jesus more and what they feared less. Keeping our eyes on Jesus helps us move beyond our fears. Well, how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Read the Gospels. Listen to him as he speaks to us through his words. We have help available. The Holy Spirit who has been given to each of us to teach us is ready to be our helper. For we read in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We also keep our eyes on Jesus by doing the job that he has given us to do. Finally, we move to Acts to consider one more story. It's the same cast of characters. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John enter the temple and are instrumental in the healing of a man who has never walked. In the next chapter, we see them on trial before the Sanhedrin, the people in charge of the temple, the people who led the charge to get Christ executed. They want to punish Peter and John, but they were afraid of the crowds who were still caught up in joy and wonder over the healing of a man who had never in his life walked before. They commanded them not to speak or teach anything about Jesus, threatening them with horrible consequences should they fail to obey. Peter and John went back to the church, that is, the people, and reported what had happened. The church's response was to pray. That's always a good place for a church to start when there are difficulties on the horizon. Let's look at their prayer. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. 
They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for boldness. They prayed that their natural fears would be replaced by boldness. And God answered their prayer. For we read later on, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now what I want you to pay attention to is their view of God that we see reflected in their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're praying to the creator of all who is in charge of everything that he has made. Then speaking about those who crucified Jesus, they said, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. These Christians believed absolutely in the sovereignty of God. They believed that everything is under God's control. It's a bold prayer, not a fear-filled prayer. Faith is replaced by boldness when we believe that God is in charge and that his plans for us are good plans. Let's review what we've been thinking about this morning as it relates to our fears. Doing the job or task assigned to us by God doesn't remove our fear, but it puts it in the back seat. The fear can chatter away, but now we're doing the driving. Keeping our eyes on Jesus helps us move beyond our fears. With our eyes on Jesus, we focus on our job, not our fears. And the third thing is that fear can be replaced by boldness as we focus our attention on the twin facts that God is in control of everything and that his plans for us are good. That's, I, I found this last week online, and, and it rings true. Fear is forgetting that God is in control. It's a good thing to think about. Now let's briefly relate this to our present circumstances. First, in the face of our fears, we need to keep our focus more on Jesus and less on our circumstances. Knowing Jesus won't make the pandemic go away. Neither will trusting in him. We still need to be careful in our efforts to avoid the virus for our own well-being unless we spread it to other people. All of that is still important. Sorry about my notes here. We also need to spend more time with Jesus. Thanks to our efforts to spread the virus, to stop the spread of this virus, many of us do have more time on our hands. Spend some of it in the Gospels. If you think you might hear Jesus saying something to you, something to you as you read, write it down. Keep a virus notebook. Second thing we can do in the face of fear, we need to act to do the work at hand. Well, there are two main tasks in the work at hand. First, we stop the spread of the virus. We don't go places where we don't physically need to be. The second task is we keep looking out for each other. We keep being the body of Christ that we're supposed to be. We pray for one another. More than ever, we pray for one another. We call people, we text them, we send them emails to let them know they're not alone. And we 
help out as we can. If we go to a store, maybe we check with our neighbor and see if there's anything that we can pick up for them. Last week, one of our neighbors was going to Costco and he contacted every single person on our block and, and the next read over to see if there was anything anybody needed. And third, we ask God to show us what he wants us to do. At this point, I'd like to share something that was written this past week by one of the saints of Elam Chapel. She said, I have as my New Year's resolution to do one small thing with great love for someone each and every day. She goes on to say, It became more difficult with being isolated, other than prayers and phone calls. But then I got the idea that I could sanitize all handle doorknobs, mailboxes, and hand railings throughout the building, and thus do a small thing for 16 unit holders, helping them to keep safe. And then she finally added, How I rejoiced that God was so gracious in giving me that one small good deed to do. Can you see the hands of a sovereign God at work in this? He had a job for this woman to during, during this pandemic, and he began preparing her for the job before any of us had even heard of the novel virus. And then she did her work. Third, we need to keep reminding ourselves that God truly is in charge. We need to let that sink in. Several weeks ago, I read you a, a brief portion of Luther's letter to a friend written during a worse plague than what we're in. Part of that quote was this, You ought to think this way. Very well. By God's decree, the enemy has sent us poison and deadly awful. Luther was saying, God has allowed this to happen. Why would a good God do such a thing? Maybe because human beings have such hard heads and drift so far away from God and ignore Him so totally that God often has to use extraordinary measures just to get our attention. We can certainly pray during this crisis that God will use it to turn our attention back to Him. I want to leave you with one final image as we think about this, these circumstances that we're living in right now. It's a simple child's play structure, a teeter-totter. Some of these kids look like they're actually dressed up for Easter Sunday. A couple of weeks ago, I received a text from a friend who was struggling with anxiety, and I was surprised by this text because she's a very strong woman, and I didn't expect her to be fearful. So I asked God to guide me as I wrote her a response. Later on, she responded that one part of my response was very helpful. So I want to share those words with you. We can exhort one another to trust in God, and for very good reason. God is good. But trust in God is no narcotic that erases feelings of fear or anxiety. It can, however, be a counterweight to our anxious thoughts. Counterweights help keep things in balance. The children on the left side of this teeter-totter outweigh the one adult on the right. They are in control, not the adult. The adult needs some more weight on his side to counter the weight of the kids. Now here's a picture of me on a teeter-totter with fear on the other end. 
It's fear that's in control. Fear outweighs me. What I need to get back into control is more weight. I need Jesus. I need to trust him. I need to remember that he is in charge. I need to remember that he has good works for me to do even in these days of difficulty. He is the weight that we need to balance our fears. Let's keep our focus on the resurrected Jesus, who is sovereign over the whole universe. And let's keep asking him, Lord, what job do you have for me to do today? The final word in this message this morning goes to the prophet Isaiah, who wrote, Don't be, don't be afraid. He's quoting for God. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my victorious right hand. Praise be to God. Amen.